everyone, and welcome to another Our Undoing Radio. This uh, closes off our very loose trilogy of love and marriage, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, except there's no Amber Heard or Johnny Depp to be seen in this one. Uh, but I am picking back up with uh, Matt from the message board, um, his questions about marriage from two episodes ago. Um, I realized I had more to say. <laughs> I do go on. And much like the last uh, week's uh, last episode's Amber Heard Johnny Depp episode was kind of a post-trial expression, uh, this this will at least in part, be a post-enlightenment expression. But let's start off before that. Let's start off with the basic question of does marriage get in the way? Is it okay to be married? If your goal is to be quote-unquote enlightened and um, a very basic crude answer to that is, well, you know, marriage uh, uh, affords you some tax benefits. <laughs> so, so if you're, I mean, honestly, if you're going to live in this society and uh, you could do worse than being a married couple financially, uh, you could be single. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately. I, and if you have children, even better, they reward you even more. But we don't care about such things, you and I, do we? No, we care about, like, how can you love someone when you need to impersonally love all? Except, as I said in that episode two episodes ago, the impersonal love includes the personal love. It's not you doing impersonal love. Impersonal love is you. It becomes you. So, from the post-enlightenment experiencing... Um, there's no question. There's only from this point of view, prior to dissolving into that, uh, that you have questions. But even from this point of view, for a marriage to work, you need to be able to see your partner without an image. Which means that you can't carry over the hurts and the confusions and the compliments and the sensuality and the the wants and desires and all of that from yesterday or from however long you've been together, two years ago, five years ago, whatever it is. Can you do that? Can you have no expectations at all with your partner? And just constantly be with who is in front of you right now? If the answer is no, and let's face it, it likely is, if you're going to be honest here, then is being with this partner holding you back from seeing her or him as they are? I mean, is that the problem? That you're with this person and so you're you're not able to see them as they are? That's kind of ludicrous, right? I mean, it's you. The problem is with you, whether you have a partner or not. And that's the thing. You're asking from a point of view of pre-enlightenment. I don't like saying enlightenment, but that's the word we've got. So this notion that we explored in the previous episode and 
we'll just put it out there again. This notion that some so-called enlightened people and guru types and Buddhist types and cultist types um, who say, oh, how can I do anything for the few when I've got to consider the many? Um, the problem isn't the amount of people you're interacting with, the amount of partners you have in this world. So how does that hold true? So what about after the fact? What about after so-called enlightenment? How can we be together as partners, married, after one of us has gone through this? Now here's the thing. When you get married, normally, think of all the reasons that people get married. People get married because they feel as though they're in love with each other. They feel as though it's meant to be. Um, they're sexually attracted to each other or their parents, whatever culture you're from, you know, maybe your parents put you together or your families put you together. Um, maybe you ordered a bride online if you're really disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it is, there are all kinds of different reasons, right? Uh, but never do we talk about choosing each other every day and that's really what marriage is if it's healthy it's that every day you're choosing each other and maybe that's only after the fact maybe that's only after you've uh had dissolved this sense of self with its false sense of autonomy its false sense of free will Maybe it's only when those are dissolved into truth that one has free will and can make such choices. And it may be rare that you can find a partner who hasn't gone through that, who's willing to um, see marriage that way. It may be tough. But, again, it's after the fact, so it's not tough. <laughs> because it doesn't feel like a burden. There is no impulse to get married. Or to get divorced. Um, and this sort of gets to your, that, that question that you, you'd had, Matt, that I addressed in the last episode a little bit about uh, does enlightenment sort of enforce the status quo? And it's an interesting question because from a certain angle, I mean, I, the ultimate answer is no, because you're not of the status quo. You're not of the system, although you can be in the system. So... Crude analogy time. I don't know if anyone watched Obi-Wan on the Disney Channel, um, but there's Obi-Wan Kenobi sweating away, doing his work at a, uh, you know, some sort of um, not quite slavery, but not quite not slavery, hard work uh, factory job. He's in the system, but he's not of the system. The system is the status quo, and he's gotta live as he's living in hiding or whatever gotta exist but is he really supporting it um no because his mind is not of it it's untouched by it so he can in fact live that life and that's what it is you aren't blind to the atrocities of the atrocities of the world and and the you know that includes the atrocities that the country you're 
you grew up in or are living in is uh, doing. Or even that your lifestyle, uh, you know, just by existing <laughs> in society. I mean, taking a plane and planes pollute, driving a car and cars pollute, wearing, you know, plasticky sneakers because there's no choice, whatever it is. You're aware of your contribution to uh, the pollution of the world, which is part of the status quo. But that's going on regardless. The important takeaway here is not to be of that in mind. You will do the least amount of damage you can in the world. But if you're living in a Mad Max world, you know... No amount of not doing damage on your part is going to unravel this problem of the Mad Max world. That doesn't mean you don't just do what's right. You do. But you have two choices. You can either exist in it and try to, you know, spread this message or whatever it is to people. Or, uh, what? Go live in a cave somewhere. And checking out like that is also uh, contributing to the world by just allowing it to go on without your divinely inspired wisdom to put it in check. (laughs) I don't know if that's accurate, but it's close. So, there is no way out, in other words. There's hell... And you can uh, not be of the mind while you while the body is in shackles. What a feeling! One way to know, at least post quote unquote enlightenment for one of you, uh, one way to know if it's right, if it's the the right thing to do to be a buddy with your buddy, is to. Uh, Read the signs. Like, you'll have synchronicities hit you over the head. Because, as I've experienced, there comes a point when you're no longer coming into non-duality by being silence on your own. Someone, or a bunch of someones, a bunch of non-dual someones, at that, uh, step in and decide when you're ready for what's next. And what that next is. So what I talk about here on this show and on the website, of course, is like you've got to be alone with yourself. You've got to do this on your own. You've got to unravel you. Strip away the layers of the psychology until nothing is revealed. But Then once that nothing is revealed, um, it's a pool party of nothing people and we're all invited, which sounds dualistic. But if you think about it, we're all non-dual being, being, beings, right? (laughs) Tune in, turn out, drop out. What was that Timothy Leary thing? Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, in being physical beings, the difference between non-dual and dualistic mind is the difference between freedom and repression. Wholeness and the partial. So, in that sense... What you're talking about in terms of the status quo um, is that of the partial world, of the unhealthy mind, of 
you know, the not whole people around you doing not whole things. And as you're living there, you're also with whole people doing whole things. Or at least they're deciding just how whole you are, <laughs> whether you're holy enough to do whatever is next. Um, I, I sort of hesitate to really explore that publicly because, I mean, that gets into potential Dungeons and Dragons territory, world building, LARPing. I mean, it's just not an important discussion to even have until after the fact. It just gives you something to build toward or be repulsed by. And meanwhile, I'm just a dude on the radio. So let this dude on the radio go back to synchronicities. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show or not, but I probably have. And this is probably grandpa telling stories again. But when Carol and I got together, she had a bunch of, uh, paranormal light <laughs> and synchronistic stuff happen to her that let her know she needed to be with me. Uh, one of those, I think the most probably extreme one of those was some sort of lip balm that she had been looking for, for a good long while. I think a couple of weeks, at least maybe three weeks couldn't find, and then one day it was standing on its edge, like on the edge of the kitchen counter. So it's on the edge of the kitchen counter, and it's sort of standing upright, and it's sort of teetering. And that's like poltergeist stuff to people. But to her, <laughs> she took that as a sign of, um, I mean, it's a longer story than that, I'm sure, of why she took that as a sign that, like, oh, I must be with him. But, uh... That was one of these sort of in-your-face personal moments for her. Um, I didn't need those in, those in-your-face personal moments for me because, at least not in that way, not in the, I don't think. Well, maybe I can't remember. I just know that there was a bunch of stuff that came at her that didn't come at me in, in quite the same way, and it felt more of a choice for me. I mean, she pursued me, so... Um, thank you, Carol, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, for me, it was about seeing, um, what my resistance to her really was because on paper she looked perfect, you know, for me, like my sensibilities. And yet I hesitated. Um, and so for me, it was a conversation with a friend, Mark, who then became a mutual friend. Um, who really convinced me to, to um, step outside my comfort zone because that was the problem. And when we came together, we sort of had a vision of what we wanted to do here in Hawaii even. Um, so it was like we, we were partners in marriage and also in life of just like life goals or um, our sense of wanting to like bring speakers, bring musicians, bring people to the island for no money or next to no money, you know, the cheapest we could do or make it the most available to people for locals who often miss out on stuff that the tourists get to do. 
And of course, you know, they'd have to be of our sensibilities. It wouldn't just be like any old entertainment crap. You know, it, it's the Living Mystery Symposium, ultimately, is what we ended up doing. And um, some workshops with locals who could teach us authentic, deep Hawaiian history that you just don't get in the textbooks. You know, those sorts of things. And whatever else came up in that way, you know? Like, there were lots of ideas that we had floating around in our minds of things we wanted to do. And then, like, COVID hit and destroyed everything, um, which is just how it goes. Best laid plans and all. Um, so I guess our goals, we had goals, right? Like, it wasn't just like we were getting married. We also had goals. And I think, like, our sense of being in love involved this, like, a perfume of these two Hopefully beautiful scents, although my scent is questionable. Uh, merging together to hit the noses of the masses. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, crack myself up. Um, so, in other words, I mean, it wasn't just like, yeah, we'll get married and we will live on this ranch and live happily ever after the end. Or, you know, it wasn't... There was that flavor of wanting to be together and live happily ever after, but the happily ever after involved doing public works, doing good in the world in the way that we saw we could be most beneficial and locally. And on and on. Um, and the thing is, and we, we talk about this every now and then because it's so weird to think about this, but and, you know, she'll say her too, but I'll, I really think me more so than her. When I look back at where I was in my life when we met and when we decided to come together, I can't even see what my life would have been without her. I mean, literally, my life drops off because, I mean, at the time I was living in a small town in Kona and... I'd been working at the Donkey Balls Chocolate Factory. I had roommates. And right around the time we decided to uh, move in together, that she would move here and we would move in together, this is before even deciding to get married, um, my bosses sold the place, the Donkey Balls place. Everyone that I loved working with there, for the most part, had left and moved on. My roommates were all moving away, and my landlord was actually selling the building, and it wasn't going to be an apartment anymore. <laughs> so I would have, <laughs> I was pretty much out of a job and out of a home. And I can't see I, what else I would have done. And especially after COVID, when you think about COVID, like, what would my life have been? I would, I can't. I can't even see it. It's literally a dead end. And then this is what my life is supposed to be, which may be why the synchronistic stuff, because it's like, no, you've got to do this. Get it going. Go now. Um, and I know I did have some synchronistic stuff, but honestly, it's hard for me to remember um, what was mine and what was hers to an extent. Uh, like, I can't remember who got the fortune cookie about 
moving to an exotic location or something. Like, I can't remember. You're going to get married and move to an exotic location. I think she, she must have gotten that because I was already in the exotic location. But it was, like, stuff like that, which is, like, weird. Like, that oddly specific fortune cookie. Um, which, yeah, was hers. But I, I do remember one that was mine, actually. It's, uh, right. I mean, I guess kind of both of ours. Just the fact that my, turns out my sister lived about a half a block away from her in Brooklyn. Uh, which is where I was staying. It's weird. Like, how did we, how did, how, how is that possible? Uh, New York's pretty big. I don't know if you know. Uh, so yeah. But she also says that she can't see what her life was going to be like. I mean, she had a highfalutin job in New York. She was looking to retire or just get out of there and you know, anywhere she looked to live that she wanted to live, she just got a a bad vibe from like, this isn't it. I'm not supposed to do this. And at the same time, she had kind of like a, I don't know if it's a growing list of psychosomatic ailments, but definitely physical ailments that were um, making it really difficult for her to be able to work. And to, so all of this was, you know, uh, all, all of that, the elements of synchronicities and, gut feeling and physical ailments, like all of these things were sort of conspiring to put pressure on her to get out of her comfort zone. So for me, I mean, mine is like, I literally couldn't do anything else. And financially I was strapped and she was not financially strapped. And I think she had options, but all of her options didn't feel right. I think that's right. And I will run this by her before I air this to make sure that's true. Um, but she just couldn't see her life going any other way at that point, I guess, or maybe just looking back on it, can't see how it would have gone any other way. And it's amazing because I, I can't, I'm trying to think of any other time in my life where life took a, you know, a chapter turn like that, where I can't see my life going any other way. And and then when I look back, it's like, no, I there's no even ambition to have well, I can move to this place. or Because I don't know, if you're not familiar with Hawaii, I mean, it's a lot of small towns, and I mean like a street long, small towns, and there ain't much to do there by way of work. And housing is expensive and all of that. So that I was able to survive in little old Kainaliu for the years that I was, with two different jobs in that same small town is already an incredible feat. Um, certainly wouldn't have happened a third time, I don't think, because I don't think there was a third business for me to, <laughs> that I would have been qualified to go to. Anywho, I think that's something to look out for, is the moral to the story, to look for the signs, and the signs will club you over the head. They will be like poltergeist phenomena. They will be like the fortune cookie that tells you, yes, marry her. See that woman there? Marry her, Matt. Or whatever it is, you know? It'll be that obvious. You won't have to do any uh, thinking or soul searching about it. It's just whether you pay attention to it or not. Um, and what is the life that you want to build? I guess when I say we had goals, it's really that. It's like not only did we, we weren't coming together blindly. We're not young, you know? We're not little kids, just blindly, our hormones are guiding us. And when they fall away, we're left with each other. Uh Uh-oh. It's like, no, we're beyond that. And uh, to 
the best of our abilities, we saw each other as we were, and more and more so. And we choose each other every day. And I think that's that's the best you can hope for. <laughs> I don't know. You don't both have to be in the same mind space to be aligned properly, if that makes sense. To want to build the same life together. Or, you know, something like it. Um... And when COVID hit and when our plans changed, it's always a struggle and all that, but uh, we changed with it, you know? It wasn't just like our plans changed and now, oh, now we're stuck with each other, you know? Like that's the spiritual version of the hormones falling away and now you're stuck with each other. No, it's not like that at all. You just adjust to the world situation and constantly ask the land what the land needs and ask the ether <laughs> um, if there's anything you can do to help. And try to sort of think about what is it that I need to do? What is it that I'm good at that I can contribute? Because at this point, I mean, you know, I'm not Mr. Enlightened guy. I am Mr. Betwixt and Between guy. Um, but even as Betwixt and Between guy, I still have some of those qualities of before or like I don't get bored and stuff but also I have no goals like I, I don't have any real uh career goals I have no real wants and desires in that direction or for finance or any of that stuff so mentally I am clear to say okay how can I help what can I do and put my talents toward that whatever it is, and wait for it to reveal itself. And I may be waiting years, but I'll wait. Oh, yes, I will. Which is not to say that that is all I'm doing in the world, or even that that mind, that betwixt and between mind, is the end of me. I suspect I'll get into this on another episode, but my just this focus on death that I've had. And actually, now that I think about it, last night, maybe it's because I was exhausted. I don't know. Last night might be the... First night in a long time, uh, months and months, that I haven't been plagued by a fear of death right before being able to shake it off and go to sleep. So, that's something. Um, but anyway, I um, like I said, I'll get into it in another episode, but I do think that this fear of death that, that I have been living with, these pangs of fear are for a reason, and I think they have to do with dissolving, well, understanding something so that the betwixt-in-between state of mind here is dissolved, and whatever is there is there. I'll leave that as vague as possible, because I can't answer what I don't know. <laughs> right? If you're wondering why I giggle, I don't know if anyone wonders why I giggle and cackle. Different reasons, but in cases like that, where I'm, it's because mid-sentence I have a thought of where I'm going to end the sentence, and then suddenly I abandon it for, like, the truth. <laughs> Which is, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's very liberating to uh, <laughs> abandon your own BS mid-sentence. Um, in any event... I don't know if this was helpful, but I hope I hope it is. I hope the takeaways are. <laughs> Let's go back to them. Um, 
Your fears prior to quote-unquote enlightenment have nothing to do with who you are afterward. So if there's ever a motivation to stop being motivated to try to be enlightened or to run from all this enlightenment garbage, it's that post-enlightenment you is not the person who runs toward or away. And so um, all those questions fall away because they're irrelevant. Born again. Yes. And also follow the signs because they will be uh, smacking you in the face, maybe even literally. Um, there won't be any guesswork involved. I guess that's the part that's most important because sometimes, well, a lot of times when we talk about synchronicities, people will tell me synchronicities and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's great. But it's just like, I saw the number one and then I saw the number 11 and then I saw, you know, on the clock 111, that must mean something, right? And it's like, no, you just saw three sets of ones, you know? But if you saw the one, you saw the 11 and then you saw... 11 11 on the clock and then a cartoon anvil dropped on your head well that would have been something right like that's how literal <laughs> no that's not how literal but that is how um shockingly obvious and apparent these synchronicities will be if they are synchronicities at all you won't have to do any guesswork and so just listen to them and um once you're in the flow, man, see where you go. But you don't have to force anything. And the other thing is, if you're, if you're forcing yourself not to be with someone because you're afraid that by doing that, you're going to all of a sudden one day I'm going to wake up and be enlightened. And then, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Care about the many and not the few? Or find myself in this dysfunctional thing and say, see ya, and then hurt this person's feelings? Or... I mean, none of that stuff has anything to do with after, you know, the breakdown of self. It will all be apparent, young Jedi. So don't sweat it. I mean, in truth, you're, you do what's right. Do what feels right and is right, provided that your history of doing what's right and feels right doesn't always end up being the wrong dysfunctional thing, <laughs> right? Like if you can trust yourself that much to the heart wants what the heart wants, but is your heart wrong a lot of the time or are is it correct? If it's correct, go for it. If it's wrong, look at why you want to get married. Uh, because maybe the, if you're hesitant, the hesitancy is the beginning of health for such a person. It is the beginning of saying, oh, wait, I'm rushing into something that inevitably ends up bad for me again. Maybe I'm ready to not do that anymore. And then just look at yourself through that lens. But look at yourself. Don't look at your partner. Don't ask about, well, is she or he right? Is, you know, am I ready for... No, it's all about, it's always you. It's always, the mirror is always reflecting you. So you've got to look in the mirror. You've got to look at you. And then once you've dealt with you, any questions that are tangential about the other person or about the rightness of the situation also clear up because they are extensions of you. Those questions are extensions of you. 
And if you are so fortunate as to have the self dissolve and be completely clear, and there is no you, well, you'll see that none of that stuff applied anyway. Wasn't, wasn't very important. There's a whole new world. What's important is right now. So what are you going to do in your nowness? If in your nowness, you can still be with other people, talk to them, enjoy the company of two-ness, even if that two-ness doesn't know its own oneness, then why can't you be married? Just throwing that out there. It's a tax break. You're welcome.